It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Now the three martini lunch with Greg Columbus and Jim Garrity. And welcome, everyone, to the Friday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. Yes, it actually is Friday. We're not just wishing for it. Along with Jim Garrity of National Review, also the author of Between Two Scorpions, I'm Greg Corumbus of Radio America. We're back to our normal format today. Good, bad, and crazy martinis for conservatives, two of which will come from Thursday night's Democratic presidential debate, the three-hour marathon that we barely survived from ABC News. But we'll get to that in just a moment. Let's start with the good martini that broke yesterday afternoon. And, Jim, I don't think this comes as a huge surprise, but it's looking more and more likely that former Deputy FBI Director Andrew McCabe will, in fact, be indicted. It was a number of weeks, possibly even months ago now, that the Obama-appointed Inspector General of uh, the FBI and the Justice Department, Michael Horowitz, forwarded uh, the idea of prosecution of Andy McCabe to uh, the U.S. attorney. His name is Jesse Liu, who is a Trump appointee. And that's because Andrew McCabe divulged information he shouldn't have to reporters just prior to the 2016 election about the FBI reopening the Hillary Clinton emails investigation. That's the whole Anthony Weiner October surprise that we got from Jim Comey. And then he subsequently lied about it, according to the inspector general, when he was asked about that scenario. So McCabe had appealed to the U.S. attorney and to the Justice Department not to go forward with this. That appeal was rejected. And now the U.S. attorney is formally advocating a prosecution, it seems, for Andrew McCabe on this charge. So we'll probably see the indictment fairly soon. Uh, This has nothing to actually do with Trump. Again, this has to do with the Hillary Clinton investigation. Nonetheless, though, this will become a partisan football, most likely. Jeffrey Tubin over on CNN starting his commentary by pointing out that he's really good friends with Andy McCabe. And then he talked about how supposedly this is a really complicated investigation. It's complicated. It is complicated. I mean, it, it is, is really difficult to understand even what the lie is here, the alleged lie. The alleged lie is, well, you had the right to speak to the reporters and you spoke to the reporters. Months later, describe what was in the conversation that you already that you had every right to have. This isn't hard, Jim. He gave up information he shouldn't have, and then he lied about it. I'm not sure where the complication is here. Breaking news. Reporter who says that he's friends with a guy who accused of leaking stuff to reporters says that a guy should not be prosecuted for <laughs> leaking stuff to reporters. <laughs> Why? Who, who figured Tubin would have that take? Um, it's so complicated. So he's being interviewed by investigators, and he says something, but apparently it's not true. Now, I ask you, is that lying to investigators? Yeah, Jeffrey Tubin, it is. (laughs) I'm not sure where the complication comes from that you're seeing that makes this so foggy and complicated. And how could, you know, I, I don't know exactly what the right appropriate punishment for McCabe is, but the idea of this being hand waved away as no big deal by people who are, you know, saying he's his friend, really doesn't pass the smell test. The same way that, you know, uh, 
when James Comey was confronted with the fact, look, you had stuff that was, you know, sensitive information inside uh, the FBI, his conversation with the president, whether or not it was classified, it certainly was not the sort of thing that uh, was not formally classified, but the sort of stuff is sensitive. You have appropriate traditional channels to register your stuff. And instead, you took it to a friend and had him put it out there. How is this not leaking sensitive information? And Comey's answer was, well, I thought it was really important. I thought I had a higher duty to the country. And the idea, like, oh, okay, no, never mind. It's cool. <laughs> Everybody who leaks thinks they're serving the greater good. Um, if we had the opportunity, Greg, I would insert the line from Hot Fuzz of the townspeople saying, the greater good, because that's how they're justifying their campaign of murder of anyone who annoys them. Um, the greater good, the greater good. You know, this, this is why everybody who leaks thinks they've got a really good reason to do it. Federal law doesn't really have a, you know, this is a crime and you'll be prosecuted to the fullest extent unless you've got a good reason and you're serving the greater good. Then we're fine with it. We don't know exactly how the, uh, whether, you know, whether he will face charges, uh, whether he will actually get, you know, whether the jury will convict him. You know, there's, there's a lot of road ahead, but it's nice to see that people are, you know, McCabe saying, look, I was doing the right thing and not, not everyone saying, oh, no, it's okay. It's cool. Never mind that. It's just fascinating to watch the media and their partisan analysis on this stuff, because regardless of the legal nugget that's been related to President Trump in some ways, and uh, some of it uh, should be very seriously discussed, but some of it uh, they just like because it's salacious and whatever. And so this has to be the foundation for numerous uh, multi-talking head panels for hours and hours. But uh, things like this gets uh, waved away, or at least attempted to get waved away. Or I remember getting ready for the uh, 9-11 Commission, Sandy Berger stuffing national security documents in his pants and socks at the National Archives. And all the media and the Democrats can say is, oh, that's just Sandy. No ah, big deal. Wacky Sandy. He always had <laughs> chilly ankles. Needed the extra insulation. Yeah, no, look, prob- there are times this argument can go around the bend and come across as paranoid and all that stuff. But look, the argument of, look, our political and cultural and legal elite and media elites protect their own. Uh, there, there is a decent amount of truth to that kind of argument. As every people, lots of people pointed out, if Hillary Clinton had not been named Hillary Clinton and she'd been any other government employee, they don't just hand wave away that you had a whole bunch of classified information on your private server, right? She signed an oath saying, I promise to handle this stuff correctly. And then she didn't. And then she had the nerve to tell FBI investigators, oh, nobody ever told me, right? Look, she either lied on a federal document or she lied to the FBI. One way or another, she uh, obstructed justice or committed perjury. One way or the other. Like she signed it saying literally under penalty of perjury, I swear that I've been told all the appropriate procedures for handling classified information. And what does Comey do? Uh, She was sloppy. Tiss, tiss, Mrs. Clinton. (laughs) But I sure as heck am not indicting somebody two weeks before they get nominated by the Democratic Party. People could see this. And, you know, the idea that, okay, as long as you're on the right team, as long as you can justify that you were trying to stop the bad guys, and by bad guys, I don't mean terrorists or or hostile states, I mean the Republicans, (laughs) everybody's going to eventually, oh, okay, let them go on it. Look, we've all been there. You know, we're not stupid. Whatever Sandy Berger had in those socks didn't look good for him. (laughs) Didn't look good for Bill Clinton. There's no way it was. Well, the president and I completely agree that al-Qaeda was a major threat. We had to deal with it as quickly. No, <laughs> there had to be something bad in there or else he wouldn't have tried to take it out. It probably was. Don't worry about these guys in Afghanistan. They're not going to blow up the World Trade Center or anything like that. 
All right, one more bit of good news, Andy, and that is the fantastic deals you can find at 4 slash martini, including their signature offer right now, a free solar panel with the purchase of the Patriot Power Generator 2000X. And, of course, free shipping on all orders over $97. You want to be prepared. You don't want to get caught unprepared when your power goes out. It's going to happen eventually. It's just a question of whether you're in the dark for a few minutes, a few hours, or maybe even a few days or more. The Patriot Power Generator 2000X, worth its weight in gold. It's now got double the capacity, and it'll keep your big appliances running, including your fridge, which is full of food that just keeps getting more and more expensive. It's got 12 outlets, including 4AC, plus two USB-C outlets that can charge your phone 20 times faster than normal. So visit 4Patriots.com slash martini to get your Patriot Power Generator 2000X with the free solar panel included. Plus get free shipping on orders over $97. Save more and get peace of mind now by going to the number 4Patriots.com slash martini. That's 4Patriots.com slash martini. All right, let's move on to the debate content for today. And there was so much that we could have done from those three hours, Jim. First of all, I congratulate both of us for getting through three hours. Mercifully, ABC News wrapped it up about a quarter to 11. So uh, if that's a win, I'll take it. I'm not sure it is. But nonetheless, it's our bad martini, but it's, uh, it's an interesting martini as well. Ever go to a play on Broadway and one of the key actors isn't actually there and they'll say, the role of so-and-so is actually being played by this person today. Well, last night, the role of Tulsi Gabbard was played by Julian Castro uh, because uh, he was the one kneecapping a frontrunner last night, and the person he was going after was Joe Biden. Joe Biden was explaining why he's in favor of public option, not Medicare for all, and then Julian Castro tried to turn that to his advantage and claim the mantle of the Obama legacy. A lot of moxie. Here we go. Barack Obama's vision was not to leave 10 million people uncovered. He wanted every single person in this country covered. My plan would do that. Your plan would not. They do not have to buy in. They do not have to buy in. You just said that. You just said that two minutes ago. You just said two minutes ago that they would have to buy in. You said they would have to buy in. Are you forgetting what you said two minutes ago? Are you forgetting already what you said just two minutes ago? I mean, I can't believe... That you said two minutes ago that they had to buy in, and now you're saying they don't have to buy. You're forgetting that. I said anyone I mean, like look, your grandmother who like, has no money, we need she a healthcare system. You're automatically, automatically enrolls people, regardless of whether they choose to opt in or not. If you lose your job, for instance, his his healthcare plan would not automatically enroll you. You would have to opt in. My healthcare plan would. That's a big difference. I'm fulfilling fulfilling the legacy of Barack Obama, and you're not. I'll be surprised to him. You could tell by the audience reaction, uh, Jim, that they knew exactly what Julian Castro was doing there. We've talked about Joe Biden's mental lapses or speaking gaffes uh, ad nauseum here because there's been a lot of them already in the early stages of this campaign. What did you make of uh, Julian Castro going there on Thursday night? Yeah, I mean, you'd say a destroy, you know, a, a, a campaign destroying moment if he had more of a campaign before the night began. <laughs> Um, I think we, by the way, we shouldn't really make the comparison to Tulsi Gabbard, Greg, because when Tulsi Gabbard went after Kamala Harris's record as prosecutor, she'd done her homework, right? She, she'd memorized the five, probably the five worst things Kamala Harris did as prosecutor. And they'd all been checked out by fact checkers. They'd all been reported accurately. There wasn't really any gray area. These were five bad, you know, and she listed them all off and you could see Kamala Harris had no defense. And that's one, I think that, 
Uh, I think you could have probably argue if that didn't, you know, end Kamala Harris's campaign, it really kind of derailed it, knocked her out of the first tier, and she hasn't really recovered. Now, Joe Biden isn't always the clearest speaker, right? So at one point he says, if you lose the job from your insurance company, uh, uh, from your employer, you automatically can buy into this. Now, when you say you automatically can buy, does that mean you choose to buy into it? Or if it's automatic, is it something that you're automatically enrolled in? It's kind of a vague there. But then later on, he says, anyone who can't afford it gets automatically enrolled into the Medicare type option we have. By the way, the fact that they're debating that there are 10 million under, under uh, uninsured after Obamacare passed, which was, you know, not only supposed to cover everybody, but like punished you if you didn't buy health insurance by raising your taxes, probably should give everybody on that stage a little bit of pause. Like, hey, wait a minute. We can design legislation with the best of intentions to get a certain outcome. And sometimes that outcome doesn't happen because people don't follow the instructions. They're not going to react to legislation the way we think they were. But having said that, look, everybody knew exactly what Castro was doing. He said, are you forgetting what you said two minutes ago? He's going after Biden on forgetfulness, on his age, and maybe even kind of implying Alzheimer's. And Greg, that's just a jackassy look. And the funny thing, look, we've talked about it. And it's one thing for us to say, eh, is Biden feeling okay? I mean, it was a good night for him last night. He didn't, you know, cry any blood. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, for one person on that stage to go after him that clearly, look, everybody could see what was happening. This was the guy who was ninth or 10th on the stage, desperately trying to be relevant by going after the guy in the first, uh, the guy in first place on the stage in a really personal way. Like when that audience was not going, ooh, it was not, ooh, like a, boy, that linebacker really hit that running back really hard. You know, some people argue it was booing in there. I think there was a general consensus that Castro was out of line for that. And I think it's going to look bad. I think, uh, you know, it's been really interesting. Somebody also made the interesting comment because Castro apparently in a post-debate interview said he wasn't trying to go after Biden on his age. So you think about, you know, uh, Joaquin Castro listing the names and addresses of Trump donors in his district and saying, I didn't want them to get doxxed. <laughs> and now Julian's saying, well, I wasn't talking about his age when I said that he just happened to forget something he'd said two minutes ago. <laughs> uh, it's amazing how the Castro brothers keep making these completely innocent, fair-minded gestures and everyone interprets them so negatively. That's the problem with Castro's through history. They're just misinterpreted. <laughs> Yeah, they're 0 for 4. <laughs> Fidel, Raul, Julian, Joaquin. Yeah, stay away from the Castros. That's just a general rule. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, let's move on to our crazy martini now, Jim. And we talked about it yesterday and the Yang campaign had teased it. He's going to do something that nobody's ever done in a presidential debate before, man. And so we didn't know what he was going to do. There was, could he crowd surf? Would he vape because of the big controversy this week? Nope, he went back to his old bread and butter. It's time to trust ourselves more than our politicians. That's why I'm going to do something unprecedented tonight. My campaign will now give a freedom dividend of $1,000 a month for an entire year to 10 American families, someone watching this at home right now. If you believe that you can solve your own problems better than any politician, go to yang2020.com and tell us how $1,000 a month will help you do just that. 
This is how we will get our country working for us again, the American people. Just give us a tax cut, I guess. It'd be the better way to do it. But, uh, Jim, what do you make of this? Uh, I like to call it a gimmick, but what do you make of this idea? First of all, I kind of like uh, the reaction from Pete Buttigieg a moment later. <laughs> kind of shaking his head and, and incredulous as like, well, it's original. I'll give you that. So I suppose I should feel, uh, you know, let me give a little bit of sympathy for Andrew Yang, because I think overall he had a pretty good night last night. For a guy who's made uh, oodles of money in the tech industry, he comes across as a very relatable human being who's not obsessed with politics, who doesn't speak in, in cliches and, and uh, buzzwords and all that kind of stuff. He's the kind of guy you could easily see yourself sitting down having a beer with, a relatable human being. Um, as I put it last night, his weirdness is within acceptable parameters. <laughs> but having said that, and, and I can understand his utter frustration, even last night he spoke for roughly half the time Joe Biden spoke. Infamously, he got three minutes in the first debate that was hosted, I believe, by uh, MSNBC. He had to do something to get some more attention. I, I don't think this works for him, though. It comes across as gimmicky. Uh, last night, I was calling him the Publishers Clearinghouse uh, presidential candidate. Um, you, you know, you wait for him to come in like uh, Jack Nicholson's Joker at the end of the uh, 1989 Batman movie, throwing money into the crowd and dancing to Prince or something like that. If I'm irritated with the celebritification of, of politics... Um, the fact that Andrew Yang was a guy who knew what he was talking about and who has not spent his life in front of an audience trying to get people to vote for him was his best trait. Uh, this comes across as cheap and gimmick. I guess it's not cheap to him. Um, by the way, he's using campaign funds, which apparently is legal, uh, which kind of means that anybody can run sweepstakes out of their uh, out of their campaigns from now on. I don't think, boy, this is a door. It could get uh, a little annoying. I just uh, finished uh, taping a podcast with the, the editors with uh, with my, my boss, Rich Lowry, made a strong point. We said, like, so the argument of Yang and his universal dividend or universal income idea, basic income idea, is that we're heading towards serious economic challenges. Automization, manufacturing, um, all these things are going to eliminate lots of jobs, driverless cars. You know, we're, we're going to go through this giant wrenching economic issue that the federal government is just not going to be able to cope with, Greg. So the answer is a thousand bucks a month. Well, <laughs> that, that actually doesn't seem like it's adequate to the problem. Um, that, that if everybody's going to be losing their jobs and you're going to have mass uh, underemployment or unemployment. Some good things to say last night, but I really feel like this came across as gimmicky and uh, in a presidential process that already has been drained of almost all but the last molecules of dignity. Uh, we may have lost a little bit less, a little bit, even a little bit more last night. Yeah, it definitely had an Oprah feel to it. A lot of people were saying that. You get a car, you get a car. He's going to give a thousand bucks a month. What do you think this will do for his uh, campaign list that he's going to be able to send blast emails to as uh, thousands of people sign up to try to be part of the ten families? I was going to say somebody put it very well last night. Was you know ten ordinary American families are about to get a thousand dollars a month for a year. Everyone else is going to get a whole lot of emails, a whole lot of text messages, a whole lot of social media messages. You are going to be pestered for the rest of your life. Think twice, America. You know what? If I never got spam again, I might, you know, maybe that's worth a thousand bucks a month. All right. Exit question. Other than Julian Castro, perhaps kneecapping himself in the end, uh, did anybody else's fortunes really change last night? You know, the two, there are two guys who always have pretty good debates. And it really hasn't done much for them so far. Uh, I think Pete Buttigieg, um, I mentioned that. And I, I, you know, I think also he was the one who probably came closest to rebuking Castro, where he said, this is why people don't like watching debates and stuff like that. Um, and also, I think Cory Booker, for the third straight one, had a pretty darn good debate. I think he's got this, you know, this kind of 
sunny, optimistic, let me tell you about somebody I met in Newark, that routine. They both had good debates before and it didn't really help them any. So look, the only thing that's holding these guys back, Greg, are a meteorite striking Joe Biden, Elizabeth Warren, and Bernie Sanders. So the moment that happens, these guys are set. Um, a little bit more accurately, though, like, again, if anybody's going to break out, either one of them look like the guys who could step up to the first tier. But I'll be perfectly honest, look at these, these polling has been very consistent, which says to me, Greg, that the Democrats who like the top three aren't really shopping around for other options. Now, you know, we get closer to Iowa and New Hampshire, maybe they will. But uh, I think this race is going to remain in stasis for a while. We'll find out. Another one next month. I know you're giddy for that. And Tom Steyer's going to be there and maybe Tulsi, too. So could be another two-night event. Oh, joy. In the meantime, if you live in the Washington, D.C. area, you can meet Jim Garrity in person, and he'll even autograph your own personal copy of Between Two Scorpions. Right, Jim? Yeah. I mean, look, what's more exciting, Tom Steyer on a debate stage or me? Uh, <laughs> yes, it's at Mosaic Barnes & Noble. Um, it's in a little kind of uh, mixed use development. Uh, every Sunday, it's got a fantastic farmer's market. So even if you don't like me, there's like, you know, really good produce, and really good food there. Um, we'll be signing books starting at one o'clock. Yes, I realize when the football games start, uh, the cancellation of the jet season because Sam Darnold has mono makes things easier for me. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. They play on Monday. But uh, so I will keep you updated on the scores if you want, or I won't tell you if you're taping the game and watching it later. Uh, should be there, I think, around two hours or so. I'll have plenty of copies. It's an entire $13. Uh, I'm not going to break the bank. People are enjoying it. Reviews on Amazon are glowing. Uh, and I look we hope it's, uh, it's a great place, and I hope to see a lot of people there. Uh, give me a chance to tell us what you think, and I'll pass along good words to Greg. So hope to see people there. All right. Again, that's Mosaic Barnes & Noble. That's in Fairfax, Virginia, starting around 1 o'clock on Sunday afternoon. He's Jim Garrity of National Review. I'm Greg Corumbus of Radio America. Thanks so much for being with us today. Have a great weekend, and join us again Monday for the next Three Martini Lunch. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.